0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett. Sports Card Insights episode is an interview of Bob Brill. This is actually the first part of it. Rich and I uh, got Bob together on a Zoom call and kind of talked about kind of a ranging conversation. This is the first half of it. The other half I'll release uh, later. But Bob's worn so many different hats. Uh, I go back with him 35 years-ish And uh, again, uh, really been involved in a lot of interesting things and you just need to hear it from him. So uh, we go back and forth. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, uh, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Bob Brill, for your contributions and Rich for drawing some of that out. And uh, here it is.
1: Jim, a friend of mine sent me something and he wanted me to verify that can you see that looks like a baseball yeah is that your signature right it looks like
0: it it oh. looks like a kind of older signature
1: yeah i would have been a done at frankinson's years ago yeah could be okay he says he thinks he got it uh, down there so he just
0: wanted to verify it but the baseball players they don't make a big deal about it and golfers especially it's hard to write your name on a round it tick. is yeah And especially golf balls with the little uh, dimples and all that stuff. But a baseball, you got to hold it in your hand, and you've got to wrap your signature around it. And um, so, yeah, that looks like kind of what I would have done a long time ago.
1: Okay. That's what I thought. You know, he was pretty sure he he would have dealers down there. I guess you only maybe went down there once or twice? I went there a few
0: times. Hey, you're looking good, man. I feel good. You too. You too. But he's just it's (laughs) – there is an option to – try to retard aging. (laughs) You're going to age age a little bit, but just try to age a little bit slower. Yeah. Uh, Trying to take care of myself, but I don't know. Well, we both had our
1: heart attack. Oh God. That's for sure. That's a wake up call. Yeah. I I had a little tiny one about nine years ago. Yeah. And it was uh, real briefly. Basically I was, I had had a double um, epidural on my back that morning and which I never had before. I only had a single and it was the first pirate playoff game in like forever and they lost and I had to go to an acting class and I was really depressed and I got to the acting class and I was sitting there and also I just didn't feel comfortable. I did my bit that I was supposed to do and everything and I was sitting there sweating and nothing, no pains in my arms or anything like that. Went down the hall, washed my face, drove home. Um told the wife, she goes, it doesn't sound good. Maybe we should go to the hospital. I said, "Ah, I'm fine. I went out to the car and checked something out. I said, yeah, I'll call my doctor. And I said, is this a side effect of what you gave me? She goes, no, not really. And I said, my elbow is starting to hurt. She goes, go to the emergency room. (laughs) So I did. I drove myself to the emergency room and just a little tiny damage to the back wall. But my cardiologist said, I don't even want to write it up as a heart attack because you had no blockage or anything, but I have to, it's not going to help you on insurance, but you know, it's the way life goes.
0: Yeah, with the insurance guys, one of my best buddies was my insurance guy. And he said, I'm sorry, you're going to have this on your record the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter how good a shape you get in, yep. you're, you're going to be a heart attack guy. The end of time, and you're always going to be treated worse than a smoker. I, think. Yeah. I, I did want to mention that one of the most popular
1: Beckett column I ever wrote lasted two years. It was called the Great buy Experiment. We started with five bucks and the goal was to get to trade up to 10000 we did it in 104 weeks exactly.
0: You haven't really reinvented yourself as much as you've evolved over the years now. Right. My recollection is I first met you when you were at a radio. I was at UPI Radio
1: Network in LA because you flew out because we were doing the, the soap books. Remember they had the team by team, some soap company. Oh Yeah.
0: Yeah, they uh, did that for first- two years. I think those were the dial books. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: And uh, you came out because I had just gotten back into the hobby. And the funny part of it was, <laughs> I told Rich, I said, I had two books, and I didn't know who wrote them. And I started off, our very first meeting, My almost my first
0: words was, I was insulting you, and I didn't mean to. <laughs> That's how great friendships begin. Well, um, I thought Random House had me there. Was that a different time? Because I thought uh, well, it was, like, it was in um, the 80s, late 80s. Or
1: late 80s, because I started at UPI in 85. Uh, and I left in 93, and it would have been not long after I got there. Which was 87? Late 87? Oh, well, yeah, probably 87.
0: Yeah, that's probably my guess. You know, my parents lived in LA. Some of those are in the LA oh, area. I didn't know that. And, but somebody paid for me to, to go there. I would have had the company doing the monthly magazines, uh, so I would be really busy. We didn't have a huge team then. Yeah, and I think Random House or somebody... Flew me out there and and around the country. I had several other stops. It uh, probably was
1: Random House because we had a really good Random House rep. But I can't yeah. her name now. Um, we did a lot of stuff with our clients. So that's probably what it was.
0: It wasn't very much fun for me to go and talk to, except you're the exception. But I did, <laughs> if I did 10 or 15 of them around the country, you're the only one that I still no, <laughs> or they cared about the category. Me and I went to Detroit and it was somebody they had no clue. I went to, I forget all the cities, but I went to a bunch of cities and you'd come up to New York, and you'd go to these radio stations and you'd be in the booth. Yeah. They personally interview you and they basically looked at the cover of the book. Yeah. yeah. What's this about baseball cards? You'd always be, it'd be baseball cards 101, if that. Yeah. And then it's a five minute deal and then you're on to the next one. And uh, But you were uh, you were the cream of the crop. Well, we spent about a half
1: hour, if I remember. Yeah, well, because we pre-taped it, and then I cut it up into a couple of short shows, which we did back then.
0: You were just a hobbyist kind of at those days, yeah. right? But yeah, then you I, got I, really I, deep into it. No, into- I had just gotten back into it because I had... So in the I, 90s, I thought in yeah. the 90s you got
1: pretty deep into right. it. Uh, 89, I did my first show. And because I had, in uh, 83, I had purchased like right around a hundred rack packs of Donruss 83. It was actually 84. I bought uh some 83s. I just walked into a grocery store and they were in a shopping cart there and I had they wanted like a dollar a piece for them. And I told the manager, I said, how about if I buy them all and I'll give you 50 cents a piece. And he said, okay. And I put them in boxes, I just forgot about it. I figured that was one of those deals you're always looking to find that over the years I gave some away as birthday presents and then I did my first show and I sold the whole thing for $452 in Pasadena. And now that's when I was hooked, you know, got back in. All it takes is one profit sometimes. And I got home. I made a thousand bucks at that show. And it was all outside of that. It was all my own stuff. And my wife said, oh, this is great. You can do it again. The next show I did $18. (laughs) Uh, I didn't even make table. And uh, she said, why are you going to do it again? And I said, I don't know why I didn't do it. Then I realized my first show, everybody had taken all my good stuff. It was was all my stuff. I didn't have anything left. (laughs)
0: When did you start the Brill I started,
1: Tony Loacono and Andy gave me the idea to do that. And I started that, so I was living in been writing for SCD. I'll tell you, now I remember exactly, because when I went to Scoreboard, which was March of 95, and I had been doing it for a year and a half, so actually it was probably late 92, early 93. Yeah. Did
0: you really enjoy that? I mm-hmm. thought that was a sweet spot for you.
1: And yeah, I was the first guy in the hobby to do actual hard news. I didn't take advertising. I, I gave the daily stock reports on the pub- public companies, which nobody had ever done. And I did features on the second page usually. And people were talking to me. I read one article that I did that uh, you didn't like because I came back and I, I did the end tongue in cheek and it didn't come off. What you read is tongue in cheek was the one about the pr- how price guides work. And I I left it as some idiot at the end saying, well, yeah, but how much are you paying for, or what are you buying this month or something? And because that's the way I started the article and I finished it that way. And I I remember you called me and and, and said, I didn't like that because (laughs) it left a bad taste in my uh, my mouth. I I didn't mean it to come off that way. It was more sarcastic than anything. I I still think I had the best grading system. Yours was like extra complicated, I thought. Ah, I thought it was pretty simple. You got a point for each uh, corner. Half a point for each side, a uh, point for the front and a point, two points for the front and two points for the back, whatever it came out to 10 points. And uh, I had it all on a lot of card, which the, the collector got so they could actually see to themselves what the grades would have been. And uh, it was a smaller holder. I designed the holder to be very much like the PSA holder, except for the fact it was smaller and fit in a two-row shoebox. Okay. So you didn't have to buy a special box. What What years were you doing that? Only that one year. To be honest with you, we got nothing. I didn't have any marketing money, so I got talked into doing the ad in the quarterly. We did a two-page spread in the quarterly, and I got one response. And we figured if we got some responses, we'd reinvest that and buy you know, pages in, in the monthly and uh, do that. But I never got any response. I, I didn't have any money at all. And that would have been close to store in 2009. So it would have been uh, whatever convention that was in the 2000s. And then I did the card collecting video that basically tops paid it out for. And they didn't want me to give them credit. That was a brilliant idea. It's the art of collecting. And the very first order I got, the very first one I got was you. You, you, you meaning me?
0: Yeah. I, I got an order from you. And unfortunately, that was the only uh, order I got. Okay. That was the only order. Okay. Yeah. You know who else has that? I think Doug Kale had that same thing. I <laughs> was, was an early adopter of all those things in those days. But, Bob, you're a doer. You're out there uh, seeing what would stick. The, the hobby needs more people out there doing things and not complaining about what other people are doing, but you know, you're trying things and seeing what would work. Tell us about your time working for Scoreboard. That was interesting. I
1: had the Brill report and Mike Burkus called me up and he said, would I be interested in coming to work for them? And I said, well, it depends. I'm, I'm going to make pretty good money this year with the Brill Report, but I was also going to have to get to a point where I was going to hire somebody. That meant I had to get it out of my bedroom and that meant I had extra expenses for an office, so I couldn't do both. So I think I was probably going to make fifty dollars to $75,000 that year writing the Brill Report. And so he said, you would have to sell... Your publication and I said, yeah, I. That's not a problem. I would, and I tried to find a buyer. And The first person I went to was you, and uh, you looked it over and said it wasn't for you guys because it was controversial and that wasn't where you wanted to be. And so I went to SCD. We made a deal. Basically, they bought it for what I had in the because I had to do the deal in one day or two. And Burka said, I'll offer you seventy five thousand. And I said, okay, let's do that. I flew back to meet with Kenny and and Mike, and we went through the whole thing. And Kenny wasn't thrilled about paying a PR guy. 75000 a year, it just wasn't his thing. And I told him, I said, well, I'm not coming for any less. Then I looked at him and I said, you have this horrible reputation. Why do you want me? Because my reputation is pretty good. And I think you even, Jim, questioned why I even went there. And a lot of people did. And I said, it was had a family and that kind of stuff. And it was stable, at least I thought. They looked at me in the eye and said, We're, we want to change our image. That's why we want to hire you. We hired Tom Geideman They hired a couple other people. And I said, okay, probably within four months, I was trying to make changes and kept getting uh, blocked at every point. Well, but
0: you knew Burkus was big picture marketing and promotion guy. And Kenny, I think Kenny's dad, Paul, was a, a little more like me of being more scholarly, but right. Kenny is all about marketing and promotion too. And so I, I think some things, you know, what happened is that Burkus and Kenny Golden both were able to outmarket these inefficiencies that you're pointing out that they kept moving up market and Kenny's doing great now right he, because he's, he's got other people doing these things right. and things they've had their website crash right I don't know how many times and that's a nuisance but he's laughing all the way to the bank and, and Burke's certainly did well and he chose good people Bob but Mike knew that he'd have the big idea and he had to have some people that were going to be able to carry things out I was there for Four months and
1: I just moved my family there. And a week after that was when they fired me. So I stayed in Jersey consulting uh, with small manufacturers uh, for about a year and a half before we moved back to California. And then I opened my store. I still did a little consulting after that, but not much. I consulted with Finish Line, I consulted with Signature Rookies, I did some PR for them. Bill King and Art West and I became really good friends. I did some stuff with them and like five or six different manufacturers. Um, The experience at Scoreboard was a good experience and a bad experience it was a good experience and then it got me into the corporate world and another good experience because it made me realize how much I hate the corporate world and uh, the things that I, I did there that I wanted to do I was not able
0: to. Bob you've worn so many hats for uh, yeah. three and a half decades what, what's been your favorite role I really thought the Brill report was a terrific fit for you. I thought you had some innovative grading things. Seemed like you enjoyed your store. Sounds like you didn't enjoy your stint with Scoreboard. But what's been your favorite thing? And and what are you doing now that you're excited? I, I love doing the store
1: because we made the store what we called Interactive. Instead of Interactive with an I, it was E. Because we would do something every week. We'd have something going on. I did Pack Wars once a month. And we did it differently where you'd get tickets and we'd have a big showcase of stuff you could use to buy your tickets, including movie tickets dinner for two at a local restaurant.